Greetings and welcome to another episode of RCAF Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Norris. Thank you for being here. This week, my guest is Gabriel Welch. Gabriel is a painter, graphic novel creator, and kind of an all-around storyteller through art, through words. He also, I don't know if you would call him a graffiti artist, but he, he writes with spray paint on walls. So yeah, let's throw that on the list of things that Gabriel does. He's a multi-talented individual, and I was happy to have him on the show. Gabriel probably puts more volume of paint and completed paintings out than anyone I know, or maybe even know of. Off the top of my head right now, I can't really think of him. So he's definitely a prolific artist. If you don't already follow him, I imagine many of you do, but if you don't, go check him out at Omeka underscore one, the word one on Instagram. And in this episode, we talk a lot about his backstory growing up in his family, very unique situation there. We talk a bit about graphic novels, storytelling, some of his influences outside art. We get into social media quite a bit and we talk about putting down some vices, going from partying at festivals to relatively sober most of the time. Found it a very interesting and inspiring talk and I hope you guys do too. I'm recording this on Thursday, so no new patrons this week, but if you would like to support this podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash podcast. There you will find out information on how to keep this show going. It's a labor of love, but at the same time, it also helps a lot to be receiving financial support from my dear, dear listeners. And if you don't feel called to do that or cannot do that, obviously I'm going to keep putting out the audio for free. But if you want to help, go ahead and share it. Go ahead and give us a review. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Go check out our YouTube page where we have clips of the full video, which are available to Patreon subscribers only at this point. So do all those things. Give me a leg up here, baby. Anyway, <laughs> let's jump right into it. Here is Gabriel Welch. all good okay yeah you sound great cool hell yeah man got my water got my coffee got your sketchbook i got right the future right here yeah so uh, yeah let's jump in right there okay what do you think like so you've been writing a little more yeah um i've been writing ideas some stories ideas um just getting into constructing uh you know i want to do a giant saga of sorts Hell yeah. But I've been really just enjoying writing down, uh, you know, just simple stories, like small stories. Yeah. Maybe doing comics that are just like one issue, you know, mm-hmm. like Rio B One could be a one issue comic, or yeah, Frost, you know, the story of this merman that you know, <laughs> is is dealing with some heavy shit. <laughs> Dude, it's got to be heavy under there, under the ocean. Yeah. A lot of pressure. Yeah. Right. Well, the story of Frost is he's this like merman character. He's swimming in the warm, the warm oceans, like around uh, 
Lemuria, lost civilization. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he he keeps finding himself in, like, shallow, warm waters, and it's fun. Every All the merfolk are having fun, but he's kind of an outsider, you know, like, like shamans is kind of an outsider to the to the to the tribe and right so he's like man i just don't feel like i'm part of this society you know yeah and so he he goes deep under the water and he starts to go he starts to go north where he hears this like song you know like there's a song it's coming from the north he thinks and uh so he he starts swimming deep and he hears a song deep and then it's like then he hears a song above and so he goes above the water and some point he gets eaten by this giant sea monster and you know he's in the belly of this beast yeah. he feels the acid in the stomach about to just like eat him alive and and then he's like wait no this isn't how i go down you know and he starts to claw his way through the belly of the beast and out of the throat and he's he's he comes out and there's a giant storm and then the storm clears and then the clouds part and he sees like a star and it's the north star so he keeps going north you know keeps listening to the song he gets all the way up to the Arctic, and uh, he he like doesn't know where this song is coming from, and he starts to just feel like he's covered in icicles and frost, and he's up in the Arctic Circle, and he's like, man, where where is that? And then he realizes like the song's coming from within himself, and and he starts singing the song, and so as he sings, you know, so he's this blue merman named Frost, and then you know the throat the throat chakra is blue so it's kind of like exercising your voice more and uh, telling stories and being more of a storyteller and so then he he discovers like that beautiful angelic creature is in himself you know and he's he's got all the love he needs that he was kind of looking for within the society of merfolk and he's like finally free you know just to like go swim anywhere in the world and I think I relate to that character as just kind of like love makes you feel cold after the warmth of it all you know yeah you're just alone and cold and icy and it's like every now and again somebody will come and kind of thaw the frost but then if something happens and you're frost again you know so kind of like going back in between this like golden warmth of being in love to like the frost of being alone and uh, finding that like warmth and love within yourself and then you're just like okay i'm i'm having fun i'm i'm on this adventure by myself again and like yeah. i'm okay like Everything's gonna be all right. Yeah. And so yeah, you're, and then a, you're free. Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. Did you um, did you just did that come to you all at once, like, or did you start with the idea of of the dichotomy of like being with someone and then being alone, and the difference between that? Yeah, I think I think it came from just this trip, you know, coming out here, mm-hmm. being heartbroken, being on the road alone again, mm-hmm. and having all these warm beautiful golden sunny memories you know and then uh um you kind of just get into this place of like man this is it's hard to find that warmth and love within yourself you know you kind of get cold and jaded and and then uh and then you might you might run into somebody that makes you feel really warm again for a second but then as soon as that dissipates you're back into the frost and feeling the cold you know so yeah i've been really like kind of transitioning through different characters and uh modalities you know like the the red ninja days was all about exploring like passion and my my evil side and the darkness you know Mm -hmm. and kind of just integrating and doing all that shadow work and then you know recently like getting back into like the alpha nine and this like angelic transcendent energy and i'm like yeah 
you know, because the, the, the green is the love, you know, like the heart chakra is all green and growth. And, totally. and then, uh, yeah, I moved from L.A. up to Nevada City area. And then I started to just swim in the water every day. And there's like you know, my friend Sachi's like, yeah, there's this water dragon that lives out here. And, and then, so then I started feeling myself become like this blue water dragon character, you know. And then so Frost kind of was related to the to the blue water dragon and beginning to be more of a, a vocal storyteller. And I think it'd be cool. I don't know what I'm going to call this saga, but it'd be nice to call it the storyteller, just something very simple, you know? Yeah. And that that gives me free range to tell a lot of stories. And then it might be nice to just do little one off. Like Frost could just be a simple one one issue comic, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Ryobi one about this ninja character, you know, yeah. based off of the tool line could just be a one issue. Rigid, he could be another, you know, kind of enemy of Ryobi <laughs> and the Husky right. and, you know, just all these characters and create a whole story based off of a tool line. And then, um, and then later, I think, I mean, George Lucas didn't write Star Wars as his first movie. So right, right. maybe not putting all the pressure on starting the storyteller as Absolutely. your epic saga first. Right, right. Like maybe, maybe do some one-offs and just get your feet wet doing simple one-issue comics. You know, yeah. that way you can start and finish something and, and then you have that, that confidence under your belt. You're like, okay, I can make a comic. Yeah. Now I can make this comic. And then when you're ready, you, you can really make, get rolling. You can make the epic graphic novels and a series of stories, you know, that all tie together. And then you can also bring in, you know, you can have these characters that you're developing and put them into the whole story, you know. Mm -hmm. So you have you have these little mini stories and separate issues. And then when you come up with the whole thing, it's like now you've kind of built all these separate sub worlds that come together and create this whole other world you know totally like the neptunian world do you do you feel like all these kind of like disparate characters like all these different characters are just like facets of like your own being or like so, yeah. maybe just humanity in general because like you know we can find if you know yourself you know the world right that kind of whole thing. right i think i think a lot of my characters are very much based off of myself or things i'm going through Mm -hmm. But now I'm finding that there's there's been a lot of people in my life that really inspire me. They're they're characters. So yeah, I mean, as far as digging for characters, like I have all these characters like within my life, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm really working to kind of put together, you know, a whole a whole story of these cool characters that I've come across, or challenging characters, you know, villainous characters that you're kind of fighting against. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's cool to like come up with the characters outside of yourself because sometimes you can get a little too, you know, withdrawn and introverted within sure. yourself. And if every character is yourself, then your world is just going to be full of you, you know. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. start bringing in different characters to help energy. you to help you to grow or help you to be, you know, help you work together and find allies, you know, as you yeah, go yeah, along. Yeah. 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 Well, Gabriel Welch. Yeah. That's an introduction. Hey, thank you. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Uh yeah, you're a painter and aspiring graphic novelist. And yeah. I've been loving all the characters you've been doing lately, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. Super cool to watch. And I love it when artists like expand out into new territory. Yeah. That they haven't really or that they've maybe always wanted to do. Mm hmm But, you know, sometimes we get locked in these cycles where like 
if you're selling a certain type of painting, like right. what works works, and you just got to kind of keep churning them out. And yeah. I mean, I, I'm just a huge fan of, of people like expanding their repertoire. Yeah. So it's nice to see that for sure. Yeah, I just went from doing that that Frost character, which for me just is, is helping me, you know, deal with some deep, heavy emotional wounds. And then, you know, the other day I, I got into doing like the lone star drifter and i'm like yeah like the the lone cowboy that's just kind of drifting through life and you know that's mixing graffiti with with cowboy country culture you know and like you know it's not really something i see very mixed together but i I like to just really uh, melt things together you know like you can do i'm a kind of a southwestern artist a lot of times like i like painting desert scenes and cowboys and you know just like my mind is kind of a simple southwestern artist but i don't really know how to um define what i do you know some people yeah. are like you oh you do this thing i was and yeah I was you gonna... do that thing and like i i do so many things that i don't know how you would really put me into any box and i i've always kind of escaped boxes yeah and so when i hang great. out with people they're trying to put me into some category like Oh, you're a visionary artist, or you're a graffiti <laughs> artist, or this guy, or yeah. And I'm always like escaping any kind of uh, packaging or branding, you know, like yeah. I mean, I think most artists, even if they somehow pigeonhole themselves, yeah, don't like to be pigeonholed, right? You know, like the whole like artistic spirit is to sort of reject labels, yeah, reject category, mm-hmm. and like blend it all together like you were saying and uh i was actually talking with michael garfield about this last week and he refuses to make like separate instagram accounts for like you know he makes music he does like speaking and writing he makes art and like he's he made the point that when you um when you narrow narrowly define like who you are yeah you actually become like an easier target to be like advertised to or to be like swayed into like some sort of like political ideology or whatever it is that that people are trying to like push out there in the world yeah and yeah i just i was actually going to ask you just as a prompt yeah like how would you define the art that you make but i think that well that's interesting because i was thinking about that you know um during lockdown i remember i was like man i should I really like doing erotic art too, but sometimes that can like just be so different from everything else I'm doing that it's like, it's like, do I sep- do I create a, a separate account? Like, do I create an OnlyFans right. for just my erotic <laughs> illustrations and have people sub to my OnlyFans page? Or like, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't really know. Like, I I've always kind of put that out there, and I'm I'm sure it throws a wrench into like my trajectory or you know if some galleries watching me they're like wow he does really good work and then he goes all the way this way it does some yeah, yeah. erotic like ice cream sluts and then he goes over here and <laughs> yeah. he's, you know kind of hard to like i know that you know galleries kind of look for like a consistency within your work and sure and if you want to be that artist then you got to be consistent and stay kind of in a theme and as soon as you lose that theme then i don't know you lose might lose that I don't know. What do you think that's all about? Like, is it our culture? Is it just like people don't like to be surprised? Or I think I think know? they they like to see you doing something, and they like to see it change and evolve, but not stray too far from that path. And yeah, yeah. And if you do, 
it just shows that maybe you're you're scattered or you're not organized enough to follow through with any one series but Mm. i find that you know i'll start a structure series and then i'm like oh well that was fun and then the dark series and then a deep underwater series and i i don't really know how to like be excited about doing one One. thing repetitiously so sure i might i might not be the most famous artist in this lifetime because of that that's That's okay. okay yeah because i need to express myself and you know, it would suck to be like an abstract artist that doesn't get to express his emotions anymore because everything's got to be right shapes and cubes and blocks, and you can't really steer out of that. And you're yeah. like, oh, I want to do, I just want to say something, but I can't now, you know, because I, I, I got this gallery that's really interested in everything I'm doing, and if I do this, then I'll lose that. And so, do you do you ever make work that you don't share with anybody? Do you have stuff that's like just for you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so and uh I have I have mountains of sketchbooks. I think back before Instagram everything was just for me. Sure. Yeah. And occasionally some friends looking through my sketchbooks, you know, so it's interesting having like a an online ability to like show people everything. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I don't want to show people this or i don't want to show them this like this maybe not good enough to show you know mm-hmm. or this is too deeply personal to show and uh it just takes being more vulnerable i think even just to write like a story or you know uh, associate yourself as like a, a merman you know like yeah i was like i don't know if i want to uh, admit <laughs> to being a merman or you know like that's not as cool as being a ninja or the this and so um yeah, I like I like creating characters that kind of force me to be a little more open and vulnerable and like uh, just raw and honest about the way I'm feeling. And I think that'll help people too. Like reading reading a story about you know discovering self love or something that could help somebody else. It's kind of like feeling fucking cold and lost. And yeah, know. I think stories are the best way to convey that too. Yeah, because it. You know, people take it on as a fiction, but inside the fiction, there's like just a plethora of truth. Right. And it's like, in a way, it's like it it cuts through someone just telling you that like, you should love yourself. Yeah. Because like people like hear that and it it doesn't exactly stick. They're like, yeah, I should. Yeah. A little meme that like reminds you to love yourself or something. And yeah, like a, a story could definitely get you deep deep into the emotions of, of you know, feeling yeah. that cold, being alone and lost in the world, and then uh, finding everything you need within yourself, you know? Yeah. And that can be summed up in a meme with a picture, but uh, a story that conveys that is going to be fun for me to, to tell and to draw and, you know? For sure. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, before I was a painter, I always thought, as a kid, my dad sold comics, and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be a comic book artist, like... My heroes are like Jim Lee and Todd McFarlane, yeah, yeah, Eric, you know, and so I look, I look at all the comic masters as like, dude, these guys, they're able to animate characters frame by frame, show the expression, and if they're working with one character, they're able to keep that character in a, a continuity of, you know, it looks like the same character from frame to frame, and I was like, that just blew my mind, and like right. the, the intense deadlines and pressures that all these comic masters are under you know i'm just like this is this is a new renaissance you know of Mm -hmm. storytelling frame by frame so 
that's always been something I, I've been trying to wrap my head around. And, like, I haven't really done much work to, like, master hands and anatomy. And I'm working towards that, you know. Like, I think I think just just jumping into doing comics, a lot of, a lot of comic book artists, they weren't, they weren't the best in the first when they started drawing Spider-Man. Frank right. Miller was doing Spider-Man and didn't really have a style. It kind of looked like, you know, Kubrick style or something. And then over time, his style really started to develop and become something else. And he wrote really gritty, murderous fucking tales of like, whoa, this is deep and adult, you know? Yeah. Um, Sandman, like Neil Gaiman, writes really beautifully, but the comic artists weren't really up to you know, his level of storytelling. And then I think he came out with a book. Um, it was a newer Sandman book and it was a graphic novel. And it just blew my mind because the illustrations finally matched with the storytelling. And, yeah. and so I really want to have something that like has deep, uh, deep storyline with really beautiful art. And then everything I've learned in painting, I can do like a frame, you know, of like pencil inks, Copic colors. I could do pencil to ink to digital coloring. Mm-hmm. I could do like you open a splash page and it can just be a watercolor page. You could go to this page and it's and I have painted scenes throughout it because I know how to paint and I understand architecture and you know just like throughout painting I've learned color and when you draw a lot of comic book artists that did like buildings they they didn't know how to do graffiti onto the building so their graffiti kind of looked a little like toyish you know yeah yeah yeah. so now you're able to like draw draw illustrate buildings put your own graffiti onto it and like tell a a real rich story you know yeah yeah and and you're able to to write it illustrate it color it you know you're fully in charge of every step along the way would you consider collaborating with someone yeah so i was thinking about that as like this is a lot of work yeah yeah (laughs) that's what i keep thinking i'm like man that's a lot yeah i was talking to jake the other day i was like i was like you know it'd be cool to like have have friends come in and like do you know jake did some cool two-point perspective grid and that becomes part of some you know psychedelic trip into this other world and you have your other friend like steven cruz or you know, Seth or anybody that, that wants to kind of jump in and like, uh, add to this story, that would be really cool to like open that up to, yeah. to other artists to work with you on stories, you know? But you'd want the story to be, well, I think, I think the storyteller would be kind of hard to open that up, you know, but mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, uh, do some trial runs, like do some like apex collective comics, you know, where it's mm-hmm. like, you're working, um, with, with more, psychedelic abstract themes you know and some stories that are like i don't know just talk with your friends about like what story should we do together you know what story do you guys want to tell and then yeah later on like you know you could you could do comics with your friends you know because maybe you don't want to ink everything maybe you don't want to maybe you don't want to be the digital colorist you know because i just want to do the pencils and you know i just want to do the storytelling and the pencils or you could even run into another writer you know it's like yo i love i love what you're doing but like i could help like write this a little deeper and clean up you know some of your writing because you're not obviously always writing you're painting and doing this and that so yeah it'd be cool to open that up and start to collaborate and in in comic worlds and then start doing comic conventions and kind of get away from festivals and the psychedelic community and start getting into like comic culture you know yeah 
So yeah, steering. That's exciting. Just, yeah, you know, uh, merging these different worlds. Like yeah, yeah. So I also wanted to like speaking of stories, um, I wanted to ask you like just kind of like your origin story in terms of like wanting to be an artist. When did it all start for you? Oh man, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, I was thinking about this earlier today when I was hiking, and I was like, you know, when I was a kid. I don't remember ever not drawing, you know, like, so as a kid, like, um, my mom, she was, she's a clown. My dad, mm-hmm. he did like sign painting and come out to the garage. He's working on his stuff, you know? And so I was always just drawing and doodling, you know? And yeah. so I think I've just always drawn and then coming and seeing my dad, you know, working on stuff and just growing up in this kind of crazy circus environment, you know? Um, but it was also, like, it seems really fun, but it was also really tough, you know, because my mom, when my dad left, you know, she's just, like, a single mom raising all of us kids, and she's clowning. It's just as, like, hustle, you know? like So she's not doing, as, like, birthday parties? Yeah, and... more like more like just hour-long birthday parties. But my mom, she was, like, in a... She was, like, in film, like, in a theater, you know? So, okay, nice. So it was more like she had this whole theatrical presentation to her clowning, and later on, like a lot of clowns that do parties like they come out and bring games and stuff but like they're not really putting on a theatrical performance so yeah yeah it's more um, like busking with face paint on right yeah yeah like, so yeah. so my mom being like you know my my mom and dad when they were together like they were doing a they were doing like clown clowning at the church you know and they would do like puppet shows and my dad would like draw believers bucks for the kids to like cash in for prizes if they could memorize scriptures so yeah Back then, man, church was, like, a really kind of psychedelic place. Like, my dad did all these crazy paintings of, like, trees with, like, happy, smiley faces on it. It felt very, like, acidy, you know, in church. And and so that was cool. So I think that's kind of, like, where I got into drawing was just, like, you know, just doodling and drawing all the time. And uh, my mom was, like, Tutor the Clown. My sister's Scooter the Clown. (laughs) I got named Doodles the Clown, obvious for reasons, I guess. Yeah. My brother was Pokey the Clown, my sister Rainbow. I have another little sister. I don't think she ever got a clown name, but she's definitely a clown, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so talking to my mom the other day, and she's like, you know, when you go to festivals, like, bring a bunch of clown noses and, like, you know, carry on, like, carry on this clown tradition and legacy of, like, clown heritage. And a lot of the clowns are starting to, to die away. And my mom's like, dude, clowns just want to make the world a happy, fun place you know right yeah and clowns have been villainized and demonized throughout you know yeah from the it to like space clowns from hell to like american horror story where there's never heard of space clowns from hell. oh really (laughs) oh god you gotta watch that yeah i mean so sounds like snakes on a plane or some shit like that yeah (laughs) it's a crazy it's crazy (laughs) like um pretty cool i i i think it's cool too i mean i understand that, that how you can make clowns scary but like you know, it's weird people saying they have clown phobias when it's like, have they ever really met a real clown or is it just like yeah. they have this Hollywood idea of like scary clowns from hell, you know? Like Yeah. And so my mom was just like, dude, like and when I was at this last festival, I I do a lot of face painting and like that kinda mm-hmm. comes from like my mom always paint everybody's faces so like i just think that brings a lot of joy to the world just painting everybody that wants to be painted like painting their colors or their aura or their clothes and just giving them this like colorful lines of color and and so that's something that kind of comes with the clown tradition 
Yeah. And so I was at this festival and I started putting on like some white white clown makeup and like a red nose and and I kind of felt like a crazy joker, you know what I mean? Like turning into like a psychopath. But really like I was there and I was making everybody laugh and my friend and she was like, Dude, you're you're the sacred clown, you know? Yeah. And I'm like I like that idea. Okay. So I wanna start I wanna bring like a little stage to festivals and, and start putting on like clowning shows where like um, I'm a comedian. I like to rap. I like to do poetry, dance, yeah. sing, perform. You know, like I'm a performer. So when I'm painting, I'm, I'm performing and paint. But it'd be nice to have like that old school circus feel with like the the freaks painted on all the the different wood boards. There's like you know the crab man or the mustache woman or yeah. the, the giant. You know, and so. You could have like you could have this cool like freak show thing at the festival where people people can even I could even have friends like dress up like the freaks and come out and like perform with me and like have a stage too for people that wanna that wanna do some stand up comedy or they they wanna they wanna participate because festivals don't really have a lot of like participation. It's like yeah. you buy the ticket, you come, you watch the music, and a lot of times the artists are the ones that you know we're not getting appreciated. We're kind of like the go between, right? Yeah, we're like, we're there all weekend, like entertaining people, talking with everybody, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, the, the producer DJ he gets to just fly in and you know plug and play and go back to a hotel so he's not really there to like entertain people and get to know people and yeah I think artists are really like we get undervalued so hard you know and like they don't even want to give us electricity sometimes for one light bulb you know it's yeah. like dude come on like recognize how much like how much beauty and love we bring to these things and like and uh so my friend Dave Platford who I just moved up there with he's like he's really gung-ho about like let's create you know artist festivals where it's like artists are the headliners and if you have artists as headliners and and music is secondary not to put music down but also not to have music as the main drive and attraction mm -hmm. then you start to bring out people that are interested in like learning to paint and to coming and hanging out and doing workshops and not just coming to see like this headliner, this headliner and, you know, getting yeah. super high and just like, you know, um, yeah, I feel so. like that'd be a more, uh, just a slightly older crowd. Yeah. Don't you think? Uh, well, I don't know. Cause well, I, yeah, maybe not. Um, I did a great North Fest and there was so many artists in that lineup that mm -hmm. this, this lady from Canada came down and she's like, I came here just for the artists on this lineup, you know, not nice. even music. And I was like, nice. so that's cool. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say, one thing I wanted to mention before we jump back into your story, it, it, it it's in line with uh, stories and novels and stuff. Um, I want to tell you about The Name of the Wind. Okay. It's a great novel. Yeah. You should check it out. That's why I got this That's handy right. dandy notebook yeah. right here. Name of the Wind, or the, the Name of the Wind. And it's, uh, it's the first in a trilogy, and so far only two books have come out. But... The, Would you recommend it, it on like paperback or? I listen to I listen to it. You listen to it. Yeah, but I've listened to it twice. I have Audible and I I'm really bad at like I have all these credits stacking up. Um, Dude, I got go, I got my mom on it, so she listens to it way more than I do. Yeah, so yeah. I just kind of pay for it so my mom. You'll can love it to because it. so the the name of the wind. Yeah, the characters, uh, the main character, in the beginning, his whole family is like traveling performers yeah and when you were talking about like your dad's a painter 
your mom was clowning, doing theatrical stuff. It really reminded me of of this novel. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And I just think you'd really like it. And so that leads into another question. And then then I do want to remember to get back to kind of like your story. Okay, yeah. What what novels or or stories like have influenced you? What do you what do you really like? What's your thing when you're looking at a story? Um I've really enjoyed reading Neil Gaiman's work. Yeah. He's he's really he's really methodical, poetic, you know. Mm-hmm. Um let's see who else is a really good writer. Um Man, that's a that's a tough one. I think that um I've been reading Dune. Hell yeah. That's a really good book. Um kind of taking me a while to get through it, you know. Yeah. And I keep I keep like kind of losing my place in it and jumping back into this crazy world, you know, where it's just like um let's see. Man, I, I feel like I'm drawing a blank for Oh, I used to love reading Chuck Palahniuk's books. Oh yeah. Yeah, like Fight Club and I read a lot of his stuff and then it got a little too a little too like dark and I had to get out of that. Yeah. Um Robinson Crusoe is a really cool book as a kid. Mm-hmm. It's this, you know, drift away character that just is out on this island by himself. Like yeah. I really related to that for some reason. Um Yeah. Yeah. yeah I I'm drawing a lot of blanks because I know I know all these books and then I have to like remember these authors names and uh before you say the title because you don't want to yeah forget the author yeah I'm just yeah I I love I love George Lucas's world building abilities um Mm -hmm. just coming up with vast worlds and characters and um he was super inspiring as a kid um yeah, there's probably a lot of really great writers out there that I don't know about or, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. So another book, just real quick before I forget, uh, the Dark Tower series. I know you said oh, that. Oh, yeah. I, dude, I used to yeah. read a lot of Stephen King, too. Yeah, like, yeah. He was one of those characters that I read a lot of his books, and um, I never read the the Dark Tower series. And I'm in the middle of that so, right now. So, yeah, anybody listening, too, you I should, gotta, you should check it out. It's really good stuff. It's kind of like Western meets sci-fi fantasy. Oh, dude, that's right up like my current alley right now. So, yeah, yeah, the Dark Tower series. Yeah. So okay, so I want to get back to like growing up in a household full of creative people. Yeah. Because your brother paints too. Yeah, my brother paints. He's an artist. And so my sister too, Sarah. She, oh, nice. She's an artist, and uh, she's been doing some digital stuff. I know my brother. He's been going to school and doing more 3d animation yeah um or something and uh my little sister she just started doing watercolors and then my niece has been painting she's been working on paintings a lot too so it's kind of cool to see you know this this lineage of artists like my dad i think he was like the first artist in the family to kind of just be an artist you know yeah yeah. drifted away from his family and was just like I'm so glad that he did that because, you know, just like as a kid, I was like, yeah, I want to be an artist. You know, you know, my dad, he was probably like, I don't know if you want to be an artist because <laughs> artists Cause are tough. poor and we're not, yeah. you know, I'm not thriving. So I don't want you to be a poor artist like me. <laughs> so you went to 
high school, right? So let's let's jump there, I guess. Are are you taking any art classes or anything at this point? Or yeah, so ninth grade, I remember um, they finally you could take an art class, you know, hmm. and so I was kind of a dropout student. I didn't really like doing anything else in school. And so sometimes I'd ditch the whole day and go build little stick villages under a tree. <laughs> and then once art class came around, you know, I would go to school for one nice. class and then ditch the rest of the day and smoke weed and hang out with friends. And, like, wasn't really – I don't know why. I just uh, I just didn't feel like I belonged in, in high school. And I didn't have the money to go to dances and look good. And I had really shitty clothes so yeah like you kind of get stuck in being a stoner because you're of your class you know like you're not really able to hang out and go snowboard and do all the things these kids are doing you know mm-hmm. you and where were you were you growing up in california yeah okay. uh, i grew up in a visalia and okay. farmersville okay like pretty much like it's a mostly hispanic town a lot of immigrants come there to you know pick fruit and stuff and like mm-hmm. that was crazy because you're one of the only white kids in the, you know, the, yeah. the town, you know, and, um, uh, but yeah, a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends are Mexican there. And then when I moved to Arizona, I'd go to a high school, had to repeat the ninth grade. And then like the Navajo, they kind of befriended me. The white kids were a little like kind of uppity and I didn't really fit into like the high school culture. So all my friends were kind of just like dropouts or, you know, just kind of like the, the un, right, <laughs> undesirables yeah. or something, you know. <laughs> did so? Did you end up finishing high school or? or? Um, I went to I went to a continuation school, so I nice. got my I got my like what GED or mm-hmm. what do you call that? Yeah, GED. I yeah. Think. So yeah, I did I did finish kind of you know in yeah. some way. So what were you doing after that? Were you did you you had already started painting at this point, right? Or? No, no, I didn't start painting. I was a after that, I think, um, I don't know, when I was a kid, I, I had like a paper route, so I'd, I would fold papers at four in the morning, go out, throw papers, go collect the money every week or something, and then about 15, I got into like polishing diesel trucks along like I-40 in Winslow, Arizona, mm-hmm. so I was like buffing, buffing diesel truck rims, and then I got my first job at 16 in a kitchen in Winslow, so I started doing dishes and then moved up to like prep cook and then by like 18 I was like the head line cook at this restaurant you know so I just thought kitchens were kind of my life you know for a long time and um I thought I was going to be like a chef for a while and then you know got into doing like construction or like I did fiberglass like installation oh wow that was really weird because you're going in and like putting all this fiberglass up spraying fiberglass you're getting like just shreds of fiberglass in your in your eyes and fingers and nose and like were you not wearing protection or anything well you can but i mean at the end of the day just like there's just so much of it just like even if you have you know mask and this on it's still getting still seeps into everything in yeah, yeah. And the fiberglass it sticks into your skin you know like yeah yeah you can't really wash it out you know? yeah um yeah i put all the it's not the same obviously but all this insulation and in. And it would still. Oh yeah, the R R thirty. Yeah, <laughs> you're like very familiar. Oh yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, I I vaguely know what that's like a little bit. Um, so when did you start painting, and like what what precipitated you to yeah really so, take on the mantle of, of like being an artist? 
Um, was there an event, or or did you just was it like the like the song you were talking about with yeah with Frost? I I think looking back, um, you know, one of the last jobs I had was working at Taco Bell for like two and a half years for like five something an hour, you know. Yeah. And uh, every day I'd go out and like smoke a cigarette on my break and like you know try to draw, and just like when you're working, you just don't really have time to really draw and do art. You know? Right, right. And so. Um, I started going, I think I was working at Borders at that point, and uh, I went to, like, this festival called uh, Earth Dance back in, like, 2003 or something. Mm -hmm. I started going to little raves, and and, um, so going to a festival was the first time seeing, like, artists, you know, at this thing, and I brought out sketchbooks, and so then I just started doing, like, renegade live painting, you know, like, I, I think I started painting in, like, 2003, so I was like 23 years old, kind of like late, but I've been illustrating my whole life. And so painting, I started doing graffiti and painting when I moved from Arizona out to California. Mm-hmm. And I just realized like there's this whole, there's this whole culture going on here. Like there's, there's, there's raves and there's this and there's that. And I missed out on growing up in Arizona. And, um, yeah, I think that, uh, graffiti and, and painting like Van Gogh is probably my first painting teacher besides my father like my dad did window painting so right. I learned a lot from him taking a foam brush and doing like little pine needles and you know painting Christmas windows and signs and like buffaloes and so my dad is my first kind of art teacher and then Captain Mark from PBS okay. Captain Mark and the Draw Squad he would come out and show you how to draw boxes and how to shade them and um uh, bob ross i wasn't really into painting then so like drawing was more my thing mm-hmm. and um then van gogh like i when i started when i first started painting like painting like impressionistically is just my still is my go-to like that's how yeah, i yeah. start everything it's just like color form light shadow you know just do that first and then later i'll come kind of expand or clean that up if i want to but yeah 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 so impressionism kind of was my gateway into painting and I started painting like downtown the Fox Theater. I like painting like blurry lights and kind of recreating like what Van Gogh might look look at these blurry lights. These neon lights were my first thing. I was really into painting. And um yeah, I think that uh painting at like little little house shows, like raves and stuff. Right. It really helped me to like I don't know, just like you're, you're able to, to like really relax because you're at a party everyone's having fun you're you're chilled out you're rolling you're painting and then everybody's watching me paint and so I learned how to just like um, as I'm painting I'm just like people are watching me so how to just keep making making marks and just pretend like I know exactly what I'm doing <laughs> and never never hesitate you know so I've learned through through people watching me just don't ever hesitate and just keep going forward. If you fuck up, that's fine. Yeah, but at yeah. least you didn't have to sit there and look back and contemplate and make a little mark. And these aren't very, yeah, yeah. it's not very exciting to watch somebody right, like right. hesitate, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, I don't know, it just kind of forced me into this like real expressionistic like action painter where I'm like, this is fun to watch, you know? And I yeah. really wanted to create like this show of like, you know, so when people are watching me, they're like, wow, look at this guy go. It's just boom, boom, boom. So you, you kind of took, like, your dad's, like, sign-making thing and your well, mom's, my, my like, dad, the, theatrical my, thing. And, yeah, like, my dad, them. he's he's real, like, 
he's real expressionist where he does like a lot of quick quick loose lines you know what i mean and just like kind of capture like the the vibration and the the feeling in in that and like not making it so perfect so that's a lot of the way i paint too is just like just real energetic you know and i want to show these energetic lines and not really clean that up too much and you know um yeah i think uh that the vibration of of the painting you know comes through but i also do love to like get super hyper rendered on things you know like right. and just be able to kind of go back and forth between you know crazy chaos and clean orderly you know you're you're like one of the most prolific artists that i know of um do you think well thank you man yeah i mean do you think that the like the improvisational um style is closer to like some kind of source of creativity yeah i think i think too like if if you're working if you're working that fast for me I find that I don't have time to really think too far ahead because I'm going so fast forward that the, like source is just channeling through me and I'm just getting out of the way. Things are moving through me so fast and I don't really have time to be like, oh, you should, maybe don't do that. You know, it's just like, it's just flooding through me and I'm like just watching it happen kind of just like, I'm just barely like one millisecond ahead of what's about to happen and it's really entertaining for me to watch too because i'm i'm also just like just right there like whoa okay whoa shit whoa whoa you know like holy shit like i'm i'm also just as kind of wowed by the process as i'm doing it because i don't really sometimes know where it's going because i'm just going so fast you know yeah and you you just got that from performing in front of people i think so yeah. yeah there is a there is a pressure of just i don't know people watching me and i'm like oh boy like i don't know there was something about having people behind me watching me just made me want to be able to move really quick and i think too like graffiti is is a very fast art form graffiti you're you're just scribbling your name on a, a box and you gotta slap the marker back in your pocket walk up the street so a lot of the speed comes from just like high levels of stress trying to get out there paint paint a wall and so when you're painting a wall and you got to fill stuff in it's very fast and loose and you know that that whole that whole thing is in my brain too of just like under pressure you know like whether it's the pressure of painting live or painting illegally you're just like under a lot of pressure you're yeah, under yeah. family pressure you're under societal pressure like you feel like you're just going to explode and i think the the spray can is the the best way to release that pressure because yeah it's literally pressurized, pressurized. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so okay. you're just able to just so would you say that like making art is just uh kind of like a pressure valve to let all that out yeah i think so yeah i mean i think it's a it's a pressure valve release and it's also it's an emotional release and you paint like that even when you're not in front of people um yeah i paint really fast um also i can i can get really zen and like focus and like zero in so it's good to have the fast and it's also good to like know how to just chill out and just focus and just sit down and paint i yeah, like yeah. to stand and paint a lot but yeah it's good to it's good to go back and forth like um just be able be able to hyper render stuff and then be able to be really loose you know yeah well, some of my friends they, they get a little too 
hyper refined and they don't know how to be loose. And so my friends are so loose, they don't really know how to get refined. So yeah, yeah. trying to balance out those two things and, you know, find, find that, um, I love, I love seeing hyper rendered stuff. And then also too, it was like, sometimes that's not very fun, you know, yeah. to sit there and render cubes or something. It was yeah. like, damn, I just want to just <laughs> break out, you know? Yeah. So, so you've been painting at parties and, and festivals since around 2003. Um, how, how many paintings do you think you've done? Yeah, if just, you had to, if you had to guess. Dude, I was just talking to, Cells was just asking me this, and Johnny, too, I was talking, I was like, dude, I don't know how many paintings I've done in my life. Um, I mean, maybe over 3,000, maybe. I don't really know how to count, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because I, I paint them, right. I sell them, I, they've gotten lost, they're stacking up in piles, like, I'm pretty sure... I don't know, maybe five thousand. It's yeah. hard to put a number on it, but if if I even look just at the paintings I've started in this trip here, it's like one, two, like probably twenty five paintings. You know, just like in the Dang. time that I've been here and from the art workshop to here, I got twenty five paintings in like a couple weeks or something. You know, and so you times that times like two thousand three. How many years I've been painting? Like eighteen the, years. Yeah, eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, back then too, is I, I just was really just like hustling paintings to pay rent. You know, so you had to become very unattached to your work and be like, okay, I don't want to go back to Taco Bell or insulate doing insulation or yeah any of this. Like, I have to make this work, right. and so I'll do anything I can to keep this dream afloat. Sometimes I'll just do a bunch of paintings that I know I have to let go of, and I have paintings I'm working on for over a decade you know that for myself you know right, i'm not yeah, really yeah. i'm not really trying to sell that too quick and i and if i do i'll just put a super high price tag on it so if you really want that painting it's going to cost you a lot to take it away from me totally and that's cool because then absolutely you don't have to stress out on selling your your soul works you know and i mean everything is your soul it's like even a little frog painting is like you know i put everything into that you right. know and then i but i also had the intention to let it go right away you but know? but you also didn't put 10 years of everything no, into exactly that. Yeah. yeah so i like i honestly like to paint things for people that you know they're artists that can barely kind of afford an original painting and i like to have little things that people can afford and auction stuff off and mm-hmm. make things affordable but also too is i like to make things that take a long time and i don't want it to be affordable right i i hope it's not gonna be affordable because that's 11 years of my life into that thing i mean off and on you know sure sure sure. and so yeah um so going to all these festivals over all these years um i know for me i've only been painting at festivals since about 2012 and that's you know that's nine years i guess yeah but like I think I'm starting to get a little burnt out on it. And I think at some point I was probably, you know, intaking lots of substances and not sleeping very well. Um, Has it taken a toll on you? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, What happened is like, you know, back at the Oregon Eclipse, that was kind of my, um, that was my wake up of like, I was doing back-to-back festivals and just, you know, just, over consuming everything and as an artist everything comes to you it's free it's just right. like here have this have that and 
And I really started to notice that like my relationships were just like from this festival to this festival. You might go to this festival, eat a bunch of ecstasy, fall in love, go to this other festival, eat more ecstasy, fall in love. And then your heart is just like too open. Your mind is too open everywhere you go. And, um, I saw, I saw the damage that was being caused to me, but also the damage I was causing to people that I was falling in love with and then not following through with that and just, you know, going from like, Oh wow, this is person. And then, Oh wow, this person. And, you know, you're just getting way lost in the sauce. And, and so after Oregon Eclipse, I was like, dude, if you want to, if you want to have a healthy relationship, then you need to, you need to learn to just be sober, you know? So after New Year's, I, I remember making a vow just to like be sober for, I was sober for a few years and mm-hmm. that helped me cause I, I was still doing festivals, but now they're not really that fun. I'm just there as like a vendor yeah, yeah. and I'm still live painting, but I just feel like it's a business thing and I'm just like doing this thing. And yeah. when you're sober, you're not really part of the festival. Like you're so, you feel so outside of it when you're high, you're feeling like you're, you're part of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so now, you know, recently, like I stopped being sober and let myself, you know, like, I don't really know if I should be sober for the rest of my life or sure. if I should, I definitely shouldn't go that hard for the rest of my life. Right. That's for sure. Right. And so now I'm kind of finding that middle balance of like, I don't really drink alcohol that much anymore. I just found that I just don't like the hangover. I don't Hangovers like the slop. I don't worse like the and worse every year. Yeah. My thing is I like to be focused. I like to have crazy cool ideas. So anything that helps with like, you know, psychedelics is still a, a really cool tool. It's not um, as hard on the body either. No, and I, I find that, that even doing psychedelics in your own time is mu- much more healing. You know, like mm-hmm. you can you can use a poison and it can be a medicine in a small amount, you know, or you can do too much medicine and it become a poison. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been trying to learn how to walk that, that middle ground. And um, I don't know that, I don't know that, that like complete sobriety is for me, but I know that I right. do like when I'm sober, you know? Yeah. So my sober mind is great. We get a lot of work done and then party animal, like there, there is that, there is a coyote in me that, that needs to come out. And yeah. so sometimes I'll go to something and just let the coyote out. Just go ahead and play, you know? Yeah. But then at the end of the three days of that, I'm like, whoa, like <laughs> I'm ready to go back to being sober, you know? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not, that's not sustainable, you know? Totally. So do you think, so do you think that has, has changed your art uh, at all? Like, getting sober over these past couple of years? Yeah, definitely. You know, like, um, as, as I, as I become a little more unsober now, I started to see like how beneficial it was to just take all that time away to kind of reset and kind of refine like your, your purpose and drive in life. Like, do you want to keep doing festivals forever? Is this your thing? Like, like you've done this so many times and then, you know, after a while of not doing it, you're like, Maybe there's another, maybe there's other, uh, things that you like to do, like hiking and, uh, you know, fishing. You might like to go be a hunter or, you know, like festivals became like this thing where like, it felt like I was getting to like travel. But then as soon as I travel, I just get to this, 
festival grounds and then you know i really just want to travel the world yeah, and yeah like yeah. festivals is kind of like a micro travel experience where you're like i'm traveling somewhere but and then, then you I'm going get there, to the spot and then you get to the spot and then yeah. you travel in your mind all weekend yeah, yeah, yeah. and so you feel like you've gone somewhere but at the end of the day you just you were in one place the whole weekend and you're like dang like i still want to i want to go to to bali or thailand or get you know so yeah i I don't know i'm i'm a little burnout on festivals only because i'm a little burnout on the way festivals treat me you know there's that too yeah i'm a little burnt we we could talk about that yeah it's um it's something that i think every festival artist is you know we've talked about it over and over and over again um what you kind of mentioned the idea of like having a festival kind of based around artists and artistry. Yeah. So um, I'm what, really excited to bring, to bring a lot of artists together to do a festival where like, we're all, we're all creative and we're here to co-create and, you know, yeah. and also too, is like, I want to get into making music and stuff. So I don't want, I don't want the musicians to feel like they're, they have to just make music while they're there. They can come hang out and paint with us and they can share their knowledge about how to make some music with us, you know? So we need to kind of get back into that like symbiotic relationship between music and art and not make it such a separate thing where it's like Mm -hmm. artists are down here, music's up here. That's the most important thing. And it's like, hey, can we start to like... Uh, remember how powerful artists are and like not put us down at the bottom of the fucking totem pole you know like yeah we're you know we're we're just not treated very well by festivals and i understand artists don't sell as many tickets as a producer or whatever so i get that but so i'm not really trying to put it off onto this these festivals doing it the way i want them to do right it's not anybody's fault we just have to do it the way we need to do it for ourselves so let's create festivals that are that are art focused festivals and uh you know art gatherings where like we're teaching we have three days where all these we can bring all these artists together and then we can start sharing ideas and painting together and building walls where we're doing aerosol murals and watercolors and this and yarn art and you know just getting the musicians because i don't know i was hanging out with dillard yesterday and and nice. he was gonna you know uh sells is like yeah come over and you know come set up and spin right here and he was like well, actually, I have a canvas, you know? Oh, and nice. so he was wanting to come paint with us. So I'm like, that's cool, you know? It's like, Absolutely. It's like I want to learn to make music, you know? I want to I want to start rapping and singing. And like, yeah, yeah. let's let's get the microphone set up. Let's set up a studio. Because, I mean, that's kind of hip-hop culture where it's like the break dancers are hanging out with the graffiti writers, with the DJs. And, you know, it's like we're, we're, we're all intermingling, you know? Like, and uh, we're we're trading off like because i mean it as hip-hop goes like you want to master the art of you know break dancing and b-boying and rapping and doing graffiti right right but at some point it became like rap became this other industry graffiti you can't really make it a mainstream industry so it's always been on the underground right and it it once again became separated you know like if you're a b-boy and that's your focus like you're not as into, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same thing we were talking about earlier about trying to like put put a person into a niche, you know, like yeah. trying to brand a person one way when 
really we're all like kind of multifaceted right yeah people so you don't want to be stuck as like oh you're the artist or you know oh dillard's just a musician and, right right oh you know, wait he wants to paint like let's let's get him painting like right i want to i want to figure out how to make some beats too like let me let me get in on this like how do we do this because i'm a newbie to making music you're you're more of a master of that craft i'm a master of this craft so let's Cross it's a skill pollinate. trade, yeah. yeah. So I think that's going to be something that we're going to start focusing on because out at the property, Sachi, he was really into making music. And then I'm coming out there as an artist, and he's like, well, dude, I want to learn how you make art. Like, that looks fun. And I want to make music. And I'm a little, like, hesitant because I don't feel like I'm the master of making music yet, you know? Right, right. And so you start to you start to get inspired off of each other, and then... You know, now everybody can paint and everybody can make music. And if you have a music idea, you can just go in the studio and start busting out this little beat and, and then lay down a track and then rap over it. And then now you're making albums and all of a sudden I have an album dropping next month, you know, <laughs> instead of just being stuck in the artist box, you know, where you're like, oh, yeah, you paint, you, you go, you do your thing over there and we make music over here. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Nice. Something we got to start doing. Yeah. It's also a thing too, like for any like younger artists listening, like I don't want to discourage people from like going to paint at festivals, even if it is for, you know, free, I guess. Yeah. But like, you got to know, you got to understand the road ahead that it's not super sustainable. Yeah. Unless like you have a, unless you have a big following there that's going to come buy your art. I mean, the galleries do. I mean, they do something for us, right? But there is the whole, like, hierarchy of, like, musicians at the top and then painters and then, like, I guess, I guess like, fire performers. I don't know. Yeah, but it, it's performers like, even get a little more of the shit into the stick, you know? Right. It's like, oh, you're just here to dance around, like, you know? like Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. I, I don't really know how to, I don't really know how to work all that out because the, ticket sales and what people come out to yeah, see you know there's money involved and all that so yeah i mean when i go to festival too it's like i'm i'm there too because i want to hear music you know like sure, sure. i want to paint to this music because that's what drives me to paint so like i understand the you know the importance of like headliners pulling people to festivals so sure yeah i'm not really trying to put it off on a festival it's like oh they're treating right. us like shit like hey sometimes you just want to be at a festival you know like totally you get a free ticket in and yeah you're not treated very well but at least you didn't have to pay to get in and you get to sell some stuff and paint and you know make the festival a really fun ex exciting place for other people especially other artists you know I, I see artists they saw me painting at a festival and years later like they're crushing it you know what i mean because they saw that live painting energy right. and exactly. then they're like whoa i want to do that too and like yeah and they kind of got to go down the road of painting at festivals you know yeah it's a, and it i mean you can you can be successful at it but it is it is difficult you know yeah because but i think there's this is something i just thought of like i think the atmosphere of like being in a festival makes it seem like oh everything's all good and this will be easy and you know, I'll start, I'll definitely sell stuff, you know, and, oh, man. and like, even, even you, even me, like some, some festivals are great and you crush it. And then others yeah, are like, dude. what happened? I thought people liked my artwork. Yeah, I know. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, that's tough, but 
It happens. So I wanted to ask you, um, what's your biggest fear as it relates to being an artist? Hmm. Well, when I first started painting to survive, I I think my biggest fear was just, you know, I used to be really depressed, and my biggest fear was just being out on the streets, homeless, digging, d- digging up cans out of trash cans to recycle and just like being just you know what I mean like unable to make it as an artist like and that was a huge fear for me yeah and you know still there's there's some times where I'm just like wow how am I how am I creating this life of like and so like a lot of what I do is like dependent on how hard I work and how hard I hustle and it's like I think looking forward in the future it's like I'd like to not work as hard as I do right, yeah, into yeah. my like seventies or eighties if I make it there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know. Um, I think art, art and fear are heavily related because, um, being an artist is just overcoming all the fear, you know, and yeah. saying something and then putting it out there to the world and letting them pick it apart and make fun of it and laugh at it or yeah, yeah. put you down for it or judge you for what you're doing. So, I mean, fear is something you just got to overcome every day. Like, I'm like, oh, Absolutely. boy, damn, I got to make some money today and I got to post this painting on Instagram and I don't really want to put myself out there right now, but... And I have to, though. I have to be like, hey, guys, I, I got this painting for sale. Or, you know, like, you have to address the world all the time. And and so that can be, like, a little, I don't know, uh, cause a little anxiety of, like, shit, I don't want to have to address the world today. I just want to, yeah. like, just fall off the map for a month. But then yeah. you can't, you know. You're like, right. all right, guys, I, I need to make some money. So here I am. I do got you, this do thing. you think you're addicted to to painting or, like, making art? Yeah. Yeah, I think so because it's it's been the only it's been the only thing that's been there for me, you know, like relationships, love, family, friends. A lot of people let you down, and they're not there. They're not able to uh, you know be there for you. And so art's just like it's been my constant love, you know. And anytime you go through a heartbreak, you're you're like okay, back to back to painting again and painting these emotions out. And yeah, so yeah, art just helps you process everything and totally yeah i'm right there with you i i think it's just i don't know how people don't make art i mean (laughs) people that they do they just don't know it yeah you know it's like the whole span of your life is kind of like well yeah a work of art i was thinking about that too is like sometimes i get a little too focused on these exterior creations when it's like i forget how to like love myself and how much i've grown and transformed and evolved and my life is an art you know like yeah yeah and yeah seeing your life as an art is a it's something that's taken me a while to realize like you're creating your life and you're creating yourself and every time you go through a transformation you're you're creating a you're creating a masterpiece and it's your life you know like it's not this painting or it wasn't this your favorite painting that you've ever done it's like you are the most insane intricate you know, masterpiece you'll ever create. Actually, yeah. And then yeah. that that helps you to tap back into like, you don't need to have a, a painting with you or a sketchbook to have value. You know, like right, to yeah, show yeah. like, hey, look at this that I do that's outside of myself. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think all artists, maybe maybe, maybe at the core, it, you know, we all want our 
are drawing up on the fridge. We yeah. all want to be like validated. It's like everybody uses different things to be validated in their life. And and art and creativity is now like with social media and stuff, like you're getting you're getting to put your artwork on the fridge mm-hmm. for, you know, like however many fans you have or whatever, how many followers you have. Right. And uh it can be it can be very addictive. And I think that like like there's also that hustle aspect that you were mentioning. Yeah, that like, kind of makes you it makes you have to be more involved in Instagram and Facebook than you really want to be, you know? Yeah. And it sucks because you'll put stuff out and like especially Facebook, I just notice like people just like stop liking a lot of stuff or you know what I mean? And like and I'm like, well, well I have 5,000 friends on here, but this doesn't seem they, like there's a lot of engagement with people. I think they and, intentionally fuck with with yeah. content creators, right? I think because so, too. Because they want to keep us on there, and we, they they want to create the illusion that we have to be feeding the machine all the time or else we're going to fall off into obscurity forever or some shit like mm-hmm. that. And, like, I know artists who have, who are, like, technically way way better than i am right they have way less followers but in real life they're crushing it right yeah and it's like it's always nice to just kind of take a step back and realize that like the gram it and everything yeah it's a a strange gauge of our self-worth to post something and to see this many likes on something that we're super excited about we're like dude check this out world and they're like hmm and then you're like, all right, so do I go back to painting what everybody like jumps on right, liking, right. you know, like, right. well, I really, really like that. <laughs> and then so, and then so you can kind of get stuck in like, oh, well, everybody loves this when I do this, but when I do what I'm passionate about and what I want to do, it's not so loved, you know? Mm-hmm. So do you keep going down that route, even though you're losing all these likes and love and comments or whatever you I think know it's, like well here's the thing about it it's a it's actually kind of a shitty gauge of like what people actually like because at any given point the algorithm or whatever could swing against your favor and just you know i feel like it's totally random there's this um i can't remember the guy's name but maybe it's like a psychological principle where like if you want to keep it, it's like what happens in abusive relationships yeah. where like the abuser will um, randomly reward and punish oh, yeah, yeah. the other person in the relationship. Oh, right. And that's exactly what social media yeah, is. Yeah, dude. I and, feel that. And it's, yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, I think it bears, I know I've said that in so many other ways on this podcast before, but it bears fucking repeating because like yep. it ain't everything. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think, I think we also like, Tell me what you think about this. Like, I think we also get addicted to the hustle to to sort of ha- to feel like we have control, right? Okay, yeah. And, like, we're all sort of afraid of, of maybe, like, not being in control or losing the illusion of control. Yeah. I, I see that. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes, too, is, like, you almost over-hustle because... Um, a lot of your self-worth is entangled with how much you produce. And once you stop producing, do you start to feel like, well, am I still valuable? Yeah. Do people right. still, am, am I still a, a human that has value, you know? And like, 
And so it's hard to even take a vacation away from the hustle because you're right. You start to feel like this is this is what keeps me grounded in society and this is what keeps everyone entertained and focused on me. And right. if I don't do this and I stop doing it, then crickets, you know? Like, yeah. Like I, I think when you were talking about this, you mentioned like taking a month off yeah. earlier. I think that might be my biggest fear. Like I was yeah. like, what if I just took a month off? Yeah, well, then what happens? And then I was like, oh. What happens when I... I actually sort of did that with the podcast last year. Yeah. And, like, uh, you know, it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. But, like, I also did learn that, like, I shouldn't... I already have, like, my self-worth kind of, like, wrapped up in the art. I shouldn't put more of it wrapped up in, like, doing this. Yeah. I should do it because I like doing it. And it's true. I like doing it. I like ha- like getting to these points in this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Where like we're we're like exploring all these nuances of like psycho uh, psychology and creativity and yeah. how it like validates us in this weird way. Yeah, it can be real soul crushing, you know, to to feel to feel that you know what we're super passionate about. I was talking with Jake about you know he did a painting, super excited about it, and then post it. And didn't get all, all the the love and encouragement, yeah, and yeah. then so you want to keep going down that route, but you feel like your fan base or people aren't excited with you, and then you're like, how do I keep you know going down this path when people aren't with me anymore? And, you know, yeah, you're going there all alone now. <laughs> like, the, yeah, or there's the illusion that you are. Yeah, you, you know? know, too is like yeah. So we're kind of a, I don't know. Um, I don't think this has ever happened before where um, we've had. Uh, instant instant reactions to our right. our work you know we used to be able to show small select people our work and they would gas us up and be like oh wow dude your sketchbook i just looked through all of it it's amazing you know yeah. and everywhere you go you have your <laughs> sketchbook and you get to show people yeah, and yeah. you know you're getting one-on-one interactions and now it's like you post something and it's just like the whole world is just tuned right into it or they're not tuned into it, and they're like, "Nah, that's not great." It, and and it doesn't necessarily have to do with the work at all. Yeah, it's like there could just be less people on the platform that day, or, mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, I think we we assume too much, and we're and yeah, we we are kind of being, you know, as content creators, you know, pushed to the side, and and if you don't post every day the algorithm changes to where it's like you're not given the same love if you don't post for a couple of weeks and you post something that's not a lot of love and then when you start posting every day that you get more and more love because you're you're ingrained in that thing you know and i'm like god i don't want to be so like it's i don't want to feel forced to like post stuff every day you know like right if i don't have something good to say or post i don't want right. to have to feel like i have to do that like right Instagram's not my employer, you know? Like, exactly. But as, as artists, way, we started to feel like, oh, shit, this is where we work. You know, we work at Instagram, <laughs> posting art on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Man, that was a good uh, deep dive into social media. Yeah. All the weird things it does to our brain. I know. And then you want to get away from it because you don't want to be addicted to this technology. But then as you get away from it then you you start to lose that you know do you think you could take a like a month or three months to. off yeah yeah i would uh, honestly like i would love to take three months to just like start really writing 
stories and and getting away from this feeling of like having to post something all the time and having yeah. to sell work all the time. Well, so if we look at it like an addiction, I mean, like you put away alcohol for several years, right? Yeah. It's like you probably do the same thing with. I could, you know, I'm and I'm saying that for anyone it, who feels trapped or yeah. like like they have to produce work or have to share something like over and over again you know Mm -hmm. know. that's just something that came to mind dude i i think it would it would be hard at first you know because you would just oh definitely you know just miss all the social interaction or it's not really social interaction because you know it's kind of like it's performative it's in a digital Yeah, yeah frontier you know yeah where you feel like you have a bunch of friends (laughs) <laughs> but at the end of the day, you feel really fucking alone. You know, at the end of the day, you're scrolling through Instagram and Facebook and you're like, I don't feel like I have anybody, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. So Facebook's a place for lonely people to go, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's where we go to feel like we're at this giant party. Everybody's right. there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, so, um, I don't know. I moved out to the mountains and I didn't have Wi-Fi on the other side of the property. And I started to notice my ability to, to hustle started to diminish. I, you know, I had to go to town to get to the Wi-Fi. And, and as I got out there, I started chilling out too. It was like, I got out of LA. I didn't hear the buzz. It was just crickets at night. I was like, dude, this is, this is cool. Like I, I wasn't on my phone for a week, you know, but then I realized, you know, that there was somebody probably hoping that I would be on my phone and I wasn't. Yeah. So my relationships kind of, I started to just kind of fall off the face of the earth to heal, you know, and just to be, a, just to be one with nature and to commune with some other source and some other connection, you know, like, right, yeah. whereas the Wi-Fi connection is a, is a digital connection and source connection is a whole other connection. I was getting connected to myself and the river and this new character and this new life and homesteading. And I was like, Whoa, this is, this is an interesting life. It's lonely, but I, I kind of started to enjoy the solitude of it. Yeah. And it got scary too, where it's just like, wow, this is crazy. I'm just out here in the dark alone, you know, like, um, there's no buzz. There's there's no internet. There's no no Netflix to watch or movies or entertainment to distract me from myself. So, yeah, I started to really like feel like that's where I started coming kind of coming up with more ideas and stories. And um, I've always had this idea of like kind of like Jack Kerouac going out to a cabin in the woods and writing a novel or something. Like, yeah, yeah. I think that you got to disconnect from social media to to really sit and write a story you know like yeah you can write short stories on the road but um to really write you got to really disconnect and disengage and so i mean yeah i, like I guess that. it's a balance you know maybe like maybe treat it like a, a social media vacation or something yeah you know where take two three weeks off and just yeah i think too just, is like you know if you had if you have somebody in your life, like a, a partner, you're out living on the land and you have a companion, like, I don't think I would really need social media that much because you have somebody, they're witnessing all these paintings you're doing, you're making dinner together, you're going to the river that day, you're going to go hiking, like, you have somebody in your life. And I think as an artist, sometimes we get too, 
in love with our work and our solitude and don't know how to share that space or if you do if you do meet somebody like do you become the duo you know like right, yeah. Gabriel Welch and so and so they're always painting together and they're together yeah, yeah yeah and then you're not together and everybody wonders what happened and so <laughs> you know uh, your partner might be feeling that way too like I don't know how deep I want to get involved with you because you're so deep involved in your work and um you know it's like it's a hard thing like to have relationships and be an artist uh i'm seeing some people making it work and that's inspiring i think i've always had that like little romantic idea like yeah someday you'll find an artist and you guys will just make an art all day and click and you know like hey it might happen yeah you know do you happen do you think that artists have to suffer to make good work oh god (laughs) (laughs) i think a lot of my best work comes from suffering but I don't know if we have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of really beautiful work came from when I just met somebody and we were falling in love. I felt like we were really on this beautiful new trajectory and now that's over and I have this painting and I have to finish it alone, you know? Yeah. And so that sucks. But I'm going to suffer through finishing that painting that's suffering, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be beautiful, and it's going to be a great work of art. I wish suffering didn't have to be the ingredient to do that. I yeah, wish, yeah. I wish it could have just all been joy and love and passion and romance, and that could have been the fuel and the fire to finish that piece, but didn't work out that way, you know? So. Well, I think everybody suffers, right? Whether you're an oh, artist yeah. or not. Just, yeah, suffering is... Uh, just the way of the life you know? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and so like i think that yeah you you don't necessarily have to destroy yourself like if you take that idea of like oh i have to suffer to make great art you can like put your like self-care on the back burner yeah i wouldn't want to say that you have to suffer because right i think yeah i think a lot of great art can come from if you're in a you know really healthy relationship and everything's good and you you have some kids and you know you're you're happy in life and your work is a reflection of that happiness i don't right i don't think we have to suffer but i do i do know that um with great heartache and pain comes a strong urge to create whereas when i'm in love i don't feel as much need to create because i'm creating this like beautiful fun happy world where we're exploring together and everything is great yeah my work is kind of suffering now because i'm not really working as much you know so i don't know like you can get a little distracted with being too happy and i don't know it's a delicate balance that's great right i mean like so yeah then yeah things don't work out and you go back to being sad again and i think a lot of a lot of art is inspired by depression, you know, like where else, do, where else do you channel all this sadness? You know, uh-huh. do you think it's healing? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think without art, I mean, how would you heal heartache? I mean, whether it's through writing, a lot of people share memes and stuff that relate to their current <laughs> heartache, you know, Yeah, yeah. And that's good. But, um, yeah, I think diving deep into, I mean, if you're not an artist, like just writing your ideas out, a lot of people can write. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, just processing trauma and things through art 
writing music whatever totally i think it's just a great way to also create something you know like you're gonna be fucked up for the next three months six months you <laughs> yeah, know yeah, yeah hurting might as well make something out of it might as well make a bunch of paintings and and then sell it and then dry your tears with a bunch of cold hard cash you know <laughs> like what else are you gonna do yeah. like you just gotta keep you gotta keep moving you gotta keep living totally i think recently i'm just finding that like joy and traveling and adventuring alone again being out here sometimes it's sometimes it's lonely and scary and i don't know what the hell i'm doing some days and uh other days you're just like dude i'm at the top of a mountain like here in colorado and uh the next day you're like oh shit my bank account's minus this and then the <laughs> next day you're back up on top again in the yeah. green or you know like yeah yeah life life is no longer paycheck to paycheck it's day to day and yeah. each day you're creating this adventure for yourself and you're creating a new character and oh you got this weird haircut okay <laughs> uh now i'm this guy and yeah. now i'm this blue dragon mermaid guy and then after you explored the depths of those emotions you're like actually i'm a graffiti lone star cowboy that goes and paints by himself all the time and like i'm just more on that cowboy vibe you know and so yeah i just creating. so you're like living in the moment like yeah it's just through moment the creation. to moment yeah there's this infinite now and this is it you know my mind it loves to go back in the past and sort out all the pieces i pick them up i try to put them back together at some point, it's like Tupac said, he's like, you just got to say, fuck it. Just let the pieces fall where they may and just fucking move on. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't give CPR to these dead situations. These memories, yeah. It's over. Yeah, exactly. I keep wanting to resuscitate it and bring it back to life. But, you know, if, if people come back in your life years later, that was always meant to happen. Yeah, yeah. If they don't, that was meant to happen too. Like, you can't, you can't change the past the past is fixed and so i really worry about my mind always going back to the past because i'm like i know the past is fixed and the time machine that was one of the greatest lessons that hg wells that was another writer that really, yeah, really like, um he talked about going to the past and trying to fix something and every time he went back to fix it his wife kept dying you know and he's like fuck i can't go back and fix anything right the past is fixed it's done yeah. No matter what you do to change it, that's fixed. The only thing now you can do is the present moment or go deep into the future. So he goes so far into the future that, you know, humanity splits into these two separate species, which I almost kind of feel within our world is like there's a lot of like, you know, the the reptilians, you know, like <laughs> these these deep, dark warlocks that, that are yeah. trying to control humanity and make us do all these things and and then there's like the angelic lion beasts that are just like of the light. And there's always been a, a spiritual war, you know, like, and good against evil. Light and dark is always going to exist. I don't, I don't know. Like in Star Wars, they talked about let's eradicate the Sith. But then once the Jedi eradicate the Sith and there's no, that's not bringing balance to the Force, that's eradicating right. the balance. Now there is no balance. It's all Jedi. Right, right. Tyranny of the Jedi, you know? Yeah, like so. you have to have that yeah. yin and yang. 
you can't that, you can't get rid of all the evil in the world and think that this is going to be a beautiful place after people would just start being evil again they're right. like this yeah. is boring and yeah. they'll like smash some shit the most exciting characters are wrestling between their their evil half and their good half right you know? so yeah yeah those characters, Anakin Skywalker, like, oh, which way is he gonna go? Is he yeah. gonna be the good or the bad? You know, and then he goes to the dark side, but then later he fucking throws Redeems Palpatine himself. over the fucking cliff or the, the side of the ledge and he's like the hero again, you know? Yeah, so yeah. like it's cool to to see to see that struggle within everybody, you know. And I think one of the worst things people can do is project their shadow onto somebody. I've had people do that to me where they're like, Man, you're evil you're this, you're dark. And it's like, and they see all this weird, dark, evil devil in me. And it's like, all right, I own that. Like, I know that. But also too, don't forget how light I am and how, and how much beauty and joy that I bring into the world as much as like, and not, you know, I'm working to like not be that evil character, but I also recognize there's this red, dark, deep dragon inside of me. That's like, balances out the, this, the angel in I me. feel like one of the scariest things is someone who doesn't recognize their dark side or just thinks that they're like oh yeah the greatest person I know yeah I, I just dealt with that and it was scary you know cause, it's scary for them it's scary right. for anyone who you know if they snap one day it's like look yeah. out because they're not in touch with that and they don't know how this portrait's not looking very good by the way but it looks like me I don't have an eraser wait maybe I do <laughs> I, I was looking for that big eraser. I've got I, one, I think. So Are you I, over there using the phone? I haven't been able to fix oh, any of my mistakes. Cool. <laughs> oh, no. That's no, okay. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you're looking like a Cuban revolutionary at the moment, but How do you sometimes, know I'm not? I don't know. Yeah, you <laughs> might be. Yeah, I oh, think cool. it's the hat. You know. The hat, dude. I was trying to get rid you of this gave hat me a, line. A, a Che Guevara hat. I wish you could not have the hat on, because then it would be easier to draw you without this hat. Well, my hair is looking pretty wild, but hey. All right, well, you can keep the hat on, but <laughs> Let's put it back no. on. <laughs> <laughs> no, you put that back on. No, I'll say I'll save the uh, the hair for last, cause yeah. Nice. Um, I think your hair is what gives you your a lot of your character. So sure, with sure, the sure. hat on, it was kind of. I'm like a stealth, stealth character. Yeah, yeah. Now. You're looking like Che Guevara over here, and yeah. I was like, oh shit. Oh, but the flowhawk, you know. So, yeah, the 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 messy hair is is what gives you your character. For sure. The hat is, the hat also it keeps changing angles, so it was, uh, <laughs> it's anyway. hard to foreshorten something that's going this way and then staring. Yeah, I'm trying to focus you. on talking and and make a good character. Um, I would also love to like do do some character uh penciled stuff like i was talking to you about doing stuff at pearl street or santa monica and yeah like just setting up and doing characters would be such a cool like departure from everything else you're doing and like who knows you might get really skilled at drawing all these different faces because you don't know who's exactly. gonna step up to be drawn i think that's what android did actually really? like oh, cool yeah i think he for like a, like a year straight he just went down to the the Pearl Street Mall oh, here in Boulder, and I don't know how long it was actually, but I love so, I love some of the sketches he does on the backs of canvas prints more than so all the digital stuff. You know, I'm just like that's so cool. Like, yeah. yeah, I love I but love that's, traditional. That's where he got though. his chops. Yeah, you know, he's just practicing on on real people, and uh, yeah. Uh, so 
we're gonna come close to rounding this out here um oh no I have we, so much this so hour much and a half to talk about yeah what what <laughs> could you think of anything off the top we'll oh, go yeah. there um yeah i could but mike you got anything we're at an hour and a half yeah um well so what would what kind of advice would you give like either your younger self or like a younger artist um i think just you know if you have if you have something you want to do like when i was 10 years old i remember walking down the street and making this promise to myself because i saw myself going into school i saw how the adults behaved and how they started to like lack that ability to tune into their imagination and yeah it became real rigid and you know not so friendly and nice and and i was like man i don't i don't want to lose this connection to this never wonderland you know like yeah i can just go right in there anytime i want and i just made a promise to myself as a kid like don't don't lose this you know you have something and the world's gonna try to take it away and beat it out of you and break you but hold on to this because it's gonna be a bumpy ride yeah yeah and so my advice is just like make make a pact with yourself to like not give up on any dreams you might have you know and absolutely to feel like hey you know as a kid like having a comic book dream like that's something that I've been wanting to do for a long time and it's taken me a long time to get there, but kind of gone all these different roads to get around. And, you know, there's years where I didn't get to really make art like I do now, you know, cause I was working or doing this. Or that. Sure. Sure. And so, yeah, just, if you want to do something, just, um, develop a strong work ethic, you know, like if you've worked at a juice shop or a coffee place, just remember when you go to, when you go to wake up, you know, clock in mentally, clock into work, make it work all day. If you want to be an artist, you gotta you gotta remember how it feels to work at a job where you're working eight hours a day, yeah. you're getting a little lunch break, you do this, and then also now you're working for yourself. So now eight hours a day turns into twelve, sixteen hours a day sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. depending on how hard you want to work. Totally. But when you work for yourself, you can work as hard as you want, and you'll get rewarded for it. You can work harder at Taco Bell, but you're gonna get no, paid five forty-five an yeah. hour. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. back then that was yeah, yeah, pay, getting paid very little. And so yeah, yeah. I was I was actually just having this conversation with my girlfriend this morning to where I was saying like, um, and I I need to be better about this first and foremost, treating it like a job. Yeah, and like like treating it like you have hours. You right. Know? Like. Yeah. Like you, like 10 a.m., that's when I start every day. Yeah. Know? Like this is, and I have to be at my job. And if we don't get to walk the dog by that time mm-hmm. or whatever, then like, you know, I, I'll i take a break later in the day and, and make take care of that. But yes. Yeah. It's just one of those things that it's like, it's, it's hard for even the artists to wrap their heads around because. Part, I mean, at least for me, this is my experience. Like, part of the experience of being an artist is like, cool. Now I have all this freedom. I don't have to go to Taco Bell. I don't have to, uh-huh. you know, like do work that I don't like. But the real freedom comes in like this discipline. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, discipline is the true freedom. Um, so I know a lot of artists that you know they're working shitty jobs, and it's like until you reach that point where you're like 
you're ready you're ready to abandon that work world you have to be ready to be that fucking boss for yourself and wake right. up and just put yourself put your work hat on and artists got to wear a lot of hats you know yeah but just like treat it like a job to where it's like you wake up you work you know you put in eight ten hours but then also learn how to clock out too dude you know? it's so important if you can't clock out sometimes i can't clock out yeah uh, eminem he talked about going to the studio he'd have a certain time he'd want somebody to get there at 9 a.m or whatever work to a certain time and then they'd be in the middle of vibe and it's like yeah let's keep going he's like nope this is it this is the end of my day right here I'm going to come back 9 a.m. or whatever. We're going to start again tomorrow, but this is the end of this day. Right. And so that's the next hard part that I'm learning is like, how do I clock out of this? Because I love doing it. And you have to reward job. yourself. Yeah. In a way, like, even though like art in itself is rewarding, like creation is rewarding, but like, it's kind of like giving yourself a treat at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to go like relax and right. not be. Not care about Instagram. Look, today, yeah. today, like, I, I woke up and my brain just instantly got into, like, this hustle mode where I'm like, all right, you, you auction this little canvas off, you're getting some more money coming in, you're paying your truck and insurance, and you're doing this. And then I woke up and I was working on this little piece, and I'm trying to finish two pieces with Johnny. And I'm over here working on two pieces with Cells, and I yeah. get back to work with Jake and Steven, and I'm doing all these things, and then, you know... At some point, you you got to be like, wait, wait, hold on. Today, I got to meet up with Andrew at this time, and then I'm gonna paint for this long. But then it's like, oh, let's go check out, let's go hike up here. And I'm like, I almost didn't even want to take the time away from painting to <laughs> hike. But then you go hike up to the top of a mountain, you exercise your body, you get to see something beautiful, and like that's good for your soul, you know. Like Absolutely. you got to do that, or else you get stuck in to this like just hermit working in a little cave studio and you don't let yourself out of this like cage, you know? And like, so yeah, it's, uh, it's something I see a, a lot of artists get real lazy, you know, like they're like, uh, yeah, like it's this or that. And when I get around them, I, I notice that I help them to create and cultivate some more work ethic. It's like structure, you know, like, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's get in. I got this much time to spend with you. We're going to make this, we're going to make this. And then they can feel the pressure I'm under. And then they start going, oh shit, this is how you urgency are a surviving artist. It's yeah, like yeah. you, you have a sense of like this, 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 this many hours in a day, this much hours for painting, this much hours for leisure, you know, like, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's good to take, good to take time off, but you know, it's also, if you want to be a, an artist, like it's it's not going to be easy. It's not fun and leisurely. Uh, it's, if anything, I work so much harder now than I ever did before. You know, because totally. there's there is not really a lot of time off. What's the meme now? It's like uh, no days off. You know, but well, it's like uh, you'll work work for yourself and never work another day in your oh, life. Right. It's like actually work for yourself and work like every single fucking day of your life. Every fucking day. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Dude, amazing talk. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I could ramble on for days, but uh, maybe I'll come back and see yeah, you yeah. some other time. I'll get you back on here yeah. for sure. And that's at uh, Omeka1. You find him on Instagram. If you don't already know, I'd be surprised yeah. if anyone listening doesn't already know. But Gabriel Welch, thank if you, If you don't know, now you know, Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Well, thanks, dude. Well, that was good. Hell yeah. Thanks for having me. Yep. Um, see you next time, see you everybody. See you next time. Peace.
Thank you again for listening to another episode of RTAF Podcast. If you are interested in supporting the Patreon, that address is patreon.com slash RTAF Podcast. And I want to thank all my patrons. You guys keep this engine running. I couldn't do it without you. Go over there and check out the tiers I have available. It includes video, uh, guest suggestions, uh, patron-only posts, and some merchandise. Thank you again for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. Do all those little things that help get RTAF into the consciousness of more and more people. Shout! 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 Shout!